You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. This is episode number 20. Uh, I'm Rusty and with me is Greg and Andrew. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, good, Rusty. Yourself? Yeah, going all right, mate. Going all right. Well, um, it's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks, and I say that because I know I think we've all made some sort of purchase gun-related in the last couple of weeks. So um, new kit coming in, new gear. What do you guys got going on? Well, we're going to presume first that our wives aren't listening to this. So, um, no, I've committed to a uh, Kestrel 5700. You really think our wives are going to listen to this sort of chat? No, I'm hoping not. <laughs> so no, I've I've committed to the Kestrel and um and definitely found some other associated bits that I'm going to be getting to go along with that. So Yeah, well, expand on that, mate, because I know it's it's pretty interesting what you've been able to un- uncover. Yeah, well, I my previous Kestrel was a 4000 NV no Bluetooth. It was sort of an older model. Um so I thought, well, you know, the advantages of having a um Bluetooth compatible um, you know, Kestrel with you know that can link in with your rangefinder would be fantastic. So I started looking into it, and the Vectronix PLRF10, which I run, has a data port on it. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe there's a possibility of using a um, a Bluetooth module that you can plug into that yep. and interface with the Kestrel. And started looking, and sure enough, there is. I, I found a company <laughs> in the US that makes one fairly recently on the market so yeah, right. I looked into that I'm awaiting pricing currently I'm hoping it's not too too high but yep. so that'll plug into the Vectronics and allow me to interface directly with the Kestrel basically similar same concept as, as the Connex that Greg's just purchased oh you've given it away now oh. it's, it's, it's Kestrel week surprise yeah, and Greg. Well, let us all know what you've bought now. Yeah, Big well, surprise. Yeah, well, I've bought a Kestrel fifty seven hundred Elite. So hey. um, I bought it together with the um, the Connex just for the you know the connectivity. Really, um, now the Connex is a rangefinder, which yeah, for those who are perhaps not aware, yeah, Bluetooth enabled rangefinder and from Bushnell, uh, and also the Kestrel is Bluetooth enabled and and they link. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I've I've had it for a while now. I've I've had a good play. I'm I'm pretty impressed with the the Kestrel, um, and I'm pretty keen to get that out in the field. Um, you know, I've calibrated all my my existing data into it, and um, yeah, it's looking pretty good. I'm I'm really uh, happy with the buy. Yeah, nice. And and but you haven't sort of really given the hard work because you're waiting on your gun. Yeah, which shouldn't be too far off. So that's. Um, Oh, what's what's Jerome's company's name? Zish um, Custom Rifles. Zish Custom Rifles. Yeah, so with it's in. Guys. It's in with those guys. That he's rebarreling it. He's doing the bottom metal uh, inletting for me. He's going to bed it. Um, yep. And it shouldn't be too far off. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so I'm I'm really looking forward to getting hold of that and start doing some load development and get out on the range. Be good to um, to sort of see the the final result of all the planning that we've already previously discussed. I guess so. Yeah. yeah, so I did run out some um, 105 target hybrids because I got a big batch from the Q store. Yeah, uh, ran a few out to him so he could um, cut the is it the throat, Andrew? Cut yeah. the throat properly to suit that particular yep. projectile. Um, so it's all matched up. So yeah, hopefully right. translates into you know good results. 
Well, you, you hope so, but you were mm. furious this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so when I'm tell, ma- tell us about it. So when I made my barrel choice, I looked up burger because I wanted to shoot the 105 target hybrids and... Those that have listened from the beginning know why. I went through and did all, crunched all the numbers, and the 105s came out in front. And um, at the time of buying that barrel, the recommended twist rate was uh, 7.8. One twist in 7.8 inches was the recommended optimum for the rounds. Wasn't it 7.75 or something? Slightly different. It, it, it may have been something slightly different. Yeah, but that's I thought just it was what slightly I off, them, but I'm, you you got pretty close. Yeah, I got one in eight. Yeah, um, but the optimum was. Um, I'm pretty sure it's seven point eight, but anyway, I oh, seven point eight. Yeah, yeah sorry, I did yeah. a slight compromise to to one in eight, um, but then we were looking at some. Um, oh, we were having a look at some projectiles just recently and noticed that they've changed it again to one in seven. So, yeah, my original choice that I just threw eight hundred bucks at turned out to be not. You know, they've obviously changed it more recently with a bit more research on the range and um, changed it again. So I just missed that 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 change and um i don't know that it's going to translate to a massive difference de- on the range mate, but i just i'll buy it for five for 500 bucks for the whole gun just to help you out <laughs> yeah nice one yeah i think you'd be be very hard pressed to notice any difference yeah you no, look I at think, the degree think, at which no i think greg's there. gonna be very hard pressed to hear anything with that gun i think it's a waste yeah, of money i think so should just pass it on Andrew, do you, do you want to? I'll take yeah. the barrel. You can yeah, the action. I'll yeah. take the action. Yeah, yeah, no. and look out. And Greg, just think about something new. So. Defiance mm. action, maybe. Yeah, I should have started with defiance. You should. This is this is where your problems yeah, yeah. stemmed from. That's right. So now it's my visa cards for That's the problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm not planning to shoot into, you know, too far into transonic or subsonic. So you know, I'm, I'm, you say that now. But I say that now. Yeah, life happens. So I think I should be fine. Um, but anywho, um, should have it soon and uh, pretty keen to get out on the range with it. So I've got a question for you then, mate. If you're going, to, if you've got this new gun coming, because mm. I have a new gun coming, which I'll mention shortly, but more importantly, you, um, given some recent podcasts that we've done, what are you going to do break-in-wise? Nothing. Nothing? No. Just get no, out there I'm and shoot? I'm just going to get out and shoot it. Um, and, and have you come to that? decision based on the Hodnett interview we did or has well, this been more no, rounded well, about other discussions? Hodnett reinforced what I'd looked at previously because yep. I did look into breaking in a barrel and some of the stuff I came into was, I think it was, uh, what's his name, 8541 Tactical? John McQuaid. John, John McQu- yeah, yeah. And he was Sorry, talk- John, I forget his name yeah. wrong. But uh, he was talking about some... Um, uh, some military investigations into the benefits and whether it translated into real-world accuracy benefits, and they didn't actually get any conclusive data out of that. And he, he actually promotes just shooting it. Um, yep. And I've sort of followed that. I've never actually broken in a barrel before. I just get out and shoot him. But, yeah, I, I think Todd's interview um, yep. really – I like his approach. You know, if it's a match barrel – you should be okay, but if it's a factory, that you know, there, it, there may be some benefit in, in doing that. So Yeah, I was just going to say that the proviso on that is that if you've got a barrel of sufficient quality, that it, it's not rough, it doesn't have those internal blemishes, mm-hmm. you, there's no point. It yeah. doesn't actually achieve anything. With a factory barrel, I mean, you know, I know you've both seen borescope videos of, of some factory barrels and some of them are terrible. Yeah. Some of them are good, some of them are really bad, and most mm. of them are probably in between, but... Um, yeah, in a factory barrel, I'd say 
probably worth at yeah. least being a bit more careful with it. Maybe not following that really, really fussy break-in routine, but uh, probably not getting it too hot is the big one, I think. Yeah, yeah. I've seen people just blaze three, four What's boxes of that? ammo. Well, nothing if you don't <laughs> want the gun to work. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, speaking of the gun's not working, I am expecting uh, for my new gun to arrive in the next couple of weeks, which what? I wasn't expecting until the end of the year. Um, so um, that's changed a few things around for purchases for me. But anyway, it's, it should be here in the next week or so. Find that money, Sam. Yeah, somehow. Um, I'm going to sell your rifle when you give it to me because yeah. um, clearly it's useless for you. Um, and so I'm going, uh, it is a Ruger Precision rifle, uh, mm-hmm. the one that's been um, uh, announced for a little while. And um, I guess I'm... Well, that sort of falls into that factory barrel category, doesn't it? And it's probably not a bad idea yeah. to break that one in. Yeah. I would, that's what I was about to say. I, I wasn't going to give away your purchase, but, yeah, I, I would Well, be no, a- I'd hope not. I'm giving away Greg's gun, but, you know, I'm not giving away mine. I'll take yours. That's all right. All right. Well, I'd take Greg's. You can have that. We'll be about square, right? Even for all parties. Just, to, I mean, just, you haven't mentioned it in this episode, Rusty, but it's the, the Ruger Precision Rifle. Yep. That you, uh, you've got coming in. Now, just wondering, because obviously Greg missed out on an update very narrowly with his uh, barrel choice. Uh, I noticed that Ruger have announced the enhanced version of the precision rifle. That's uh, right. Is yours the enhanced? Or I is dare it say not. Right, <laughs> so you've got a bit of, uh, bit of payback there. So, what, What's the difference uh, with the enhanced standard? Uh, there's a, an alloy bolt shroud instead of a plastic one. Yep. Um, like the the, the fore-end rail has yeah. changed Some and it has a, muzzle, has a muzzle brake fitted. Comes with a muzzle yep. brake. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. And probably a couple other things, but yeah, no, I saw, I, I, I found out that they weren't far away, the first batch of them, and then I also on the same day found out there was an upgrade released, and um, you know what, I don't care, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it is the way it is. You'd so, probably order those parts separately, couldn't you, anyway, if you and, really wanted to go down that line? Well, the muzzle brake you certainly can, the alloy um, uh, box shroud you certainly can, Um and the forehand the is, is interchangeable. So. Yeah, and from what I read, they're, they're looking at the original model will be phased out and and the, the enhanced version will become the standard version. So. Yeah, that's right. It'll become, um, it'll, it'll come through, but um, I've already waited a little. Oh, well, to be fair, it's much quicker than I thought they were coming in, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. So anyway, we're going to have that gun to have a bit of a play with. Have you talked about what caliber? 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, mm, that'll be interesting. Which will be interesting um, mm. to, to see what they're like. Um, so I've got brass and projectiles sitting there. Speaking of projectiles, those uh, Hornady ELDs in 6.5 started coming through, uh, which will be interesting because I might try them, um, see what they're like. I run burgers in my 260, but I might mm. give those a go on those. They they don't do a, a 6mm projectile in that line, do they? No, they I don't. don't 6.5 yeah. is the smallest uh, in a 140 and a 143, depending if you're going for their match one or their hunting one. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll give, give both a go, hopefully, mm. which will be good. Um, and so uh, one thing I was going to do, um, and Greg, I was going to ask if you'd be willing to do the same thing. So considering you're not breaking in and I, I guess I... I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get round to breaking mine in. I'm, I'm not sure. The, the purpose it's it's purchased for is for um, long-range training stuff, and so it's not necessarily my gun to use more, all the time by myself. Mm. Um, 
But uh, I've been listening to some podcasts from Precision Rifle guys, uh, Precision Rifle Media now, um, who have had a name change. And <clears throat> some of the stuff they've been talking about recently has been um, the velocity increase over the first 100 or 200 rounds that they get. Now, okay. Andrew, is that something you've experienced before? Not that I've measured sort of um, sort of conclusively enough to make a statement on it, no, i Normally, you know, if I've had a factory gun and I've broken a barrel in, you know, using a procedure, I haven't actually been too concerned about velocity. Yep. So, yeah, I couldn't comment really on that one. Well, that, it's something that that I'm I'm hearing more regularly and repeatedly. And look, some of our listeners may have more of an idea of it. Um, and so, if you have, if you had an experience with that, let us know. But um, what would be kind of interesting, Greg, is to run a chronograph over, uh, run our loads over the chronograph first time we shoot it. So, yeah, yep, you know, we can do that. first yeah. ten rounds or whatever it is of the of the gun, put on the chronograph, and then maybe a hundred rounds in, yeah. do the same thing, and then two hundred rounds in, yeah. to do the same thing. If we're running the same load, or keep enough of that load, yeah, and sure. see whether or not we are actually getting a vol- velocity increase. Because I'm hearing reports that that is a that is a thing, mm. and it does happen. So the the first rounds are the highest velocity, and it gets slower, or no, no, it gets in, faster. It increases, it gets mm. faster. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it'd be... Polishing? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm thinking mm. if you're not cleaning, if you're just Fair. firing and not doing a break-in procedure, you're going to get a coating of, of copper building up yep. on the internal surface of the barrel. Now, whether that's allowing, you know, making higher pressure or not, I mean, whether these tests have been done with pressure measuring equipment or not... I don't I'm, believe so. No. That would be interesting to see. If you've got be. you know clean barrel, like no fouling at all... Measure your velocity and measure your fouling. Uh, measure your, um, your your pressures, and uh, versus a barrel that's been fired maybe a hundred times mm. would be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, if you if you, we're probably going to end up with guns around the same time, I suspect. So it'll be interesting to do and keep that information on it. Um, it may mean nothing. It's a waste of time. But hey, we out shooting. So yeah, no, I'm up for that. Up <laughs> it's for probably that. better than nothing. Well, I guess what will be interesting as well if you're not. Not going to do a um, you know a break-in procedure on your Ruger. Um, how the how that rifle performs, whether you sort of notice a, a degradation in accuracy quickly, or whether it is is constant. Well, interestingly enough, a friend of mine is getting the exact same rifle in the same caliber. Perhaps I'll find out if he's doing a break-in or not, and whichever way he's doing it, I'll do the opposite. So if he, if he is breaking it in, I won't. Mm. And if he isn't breaking it in, I will. And um, two guns in the same caliber, same guns. will be interesting to see where we are up to in a couple of years. And, uh, well, probably I'm not sure how much he's going to use his. So we'll see where yeah. we're up to in, in you know, the, the appropriate round count and see what life they've got on them. Yep. So anyway. Mm. Uh, so anyway, that's new guns and new toys. Unless anyone else bought anything, anything else? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. There's plans in the work. Yeah, there's a few few other rangefinder related items which are uh, on the. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, on the on the cards. So mm-hmm. um, basically, I want to uh, update the the cradle I made for my rangefinder, which allows a, a two power doubler to be mounted in front of it. To double the magnification yeah, of the viewer, which turns it into a sensational, useful yeah. tool for ranging further. Oh, it's, yeah, it's sort of once you use that, you go, "How do I do without it?" But um, <laughs> evidently, somebody had already thought of that as well, and 
and actually produced a, a mount specifically for that model. So mm. um, Ashbury Precision Ordnance yep. in the States. So hopefully I'll get one of those mounts on the way shortly. So Yeah, brilliant. Hmm. Nice. Um, well, aside from purchases, we got some stuff to give away. Uh, as well, so we've been um, got a bunch of gear from uh, Precision Rifle Products, um, and so Greg, you've got that that thing there. It's called the Load Right Kit, and so it's a um, it's a bunch of, for lack of better word, uh, a bunch of test tubes, so to speak, um, which uh, are in a little rack and allows you to. Um, to, it comes with a number of caps that you can um, put over your your brass. And so you, what, what you'll do is you'll load up your base load, say 42 grains of 2208, for example. You load all of them up, head, and then in the tubes you'll put increments of powder, so 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.5, 0 0.8, and then 1, or whatever, whatever mix you want across 100 different tubes. And um, then you can go to the range and all you're doing is seeding projectiles. But it, it allows you to respond to what your rifle is doing. So if you hit a node, if you're doing that type of test, um, if you hit a node, you don't have to go, well, I've only loaded five rounds for this node. And so it looked like it was good, but I couldn't confirm it on the day. You can actually just you know top up with the appropriate tubes to get what you need. Or if you're doing like a ladder test, yeah, of course, you, you shoot your ladder test and then you, you know what node you're looking at and you've got your appropriate powders for it. So they're a really cool little kit. Um, yeah, it saves, I think it would save a lot of uh, hassle. I mean, I think everybody would have done it in the past where they've loaded up a, a whole bunch of different loads, you know, in their MTM case or whatever and taken it to the range yeah. to find one of them works well and the others don't necessarily and they've got... Mm. 20 or 30 rounds they've got to pull or you know just just fire off to get you know to, to get rid of them where it kind of saves that from happening or sometimes you you might have lucked it out and you you go back to the range the next time with 50 loaded rounds of that particular charge and it just it doesn't doesn't perform hmm. um, because you can't test it on the day to make sure to confirm that it's right yep so, um, so we've got five kits, uh, five master kits, or, or five kits where you get um, two packs of these uh, tubes, and you get your choice of the caliber for your caps. And so, what we're going to do to give them away is we're asking for your questions. So, if you've got questions, um, email them or Facebook them or uh, anything. Get them, get them to us. And effectively, each episode that we do in this sort of group format, this won't be any interviews, but anything we do like this, we will read out a few of the questions and whatever we do that particular um, episode, we'll choose the best one and send them, um, assuming they're in Australia. So you have to be in Australia to be able to not send us a question. You can send us a question from anywhere, but to be able to for us to be able to afford the postage to send one of these to you um you have to be local and um we'll send it through and um give some stuff away so thanks to the guys at precision rifle products for that sort of stuff um we do have a few little um uh we've got a scope tool from the same company and some hats from tactical optics sa as well so we will um if we've got a question that was pretty good but not quite the top that particular episode we'll throw you some stuff as well um. Yeah, I, th I think that's that's it on the giveaways. Any have we explained that well enough? Yeah, I think so. Hopefully, cool. ask us questions, guys, and uh, we'll mm. make up some answers to them, and they may be sensible. Or what it'll prompt us to do is actually go do some research into your question and see if we can give you a balanced answer. 
Yeah, sound like we know what we're talking about. Or I'll just make it up and <laughs> run with that. That's I'll just it. nod and say yes. Yeah, no, that's right. Greg won't have her off anymore to, to worry about, so he'll, he'll got plenty of time to go and um, look up answers to questions. So, yeah, because his, uh, his twist rate's just completely wrong and it's going to... Yeah, You were devastated, weren't you? I can't... Oh. <laughs> Not really, but when you make an $800 decision and then it's a bad... Well, it's not a bad one, but... It's the, a terrible decision, Greg. The criteria changes, like, the sort of the next day, so so to speak. You sort of go, oh, bugger. <laughs> you know. We might have to get Brian Litz on here and you can uh, confront I'll, him I'll, about it. Yeah, reprimand him severely. <laughs> <laughs> Just as well, it will be via Skype or it might get yeah. physical. Yeah. yeah, he's a pretty big dude, actually, I think. Yeah, you might wail on you, Greg. <laughs> You've got you. Yeah, you might be up for a challenge, mate. That's right. You could challenge him to a shooting competition. I don't think that'd go too well for you. You know why? You got the wrong twist rate, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I'll give him a go. <laughs> Good. Now, speaking of questions, we actually have had a question come in that wasn't particularly related to the, the competition, but we have got a question to come in just to give you guys an example of the types of questions that we're happy to tackle. Uh, and this one. Re- uh, this is from Jason, and this is regarding to barrel wear. So, Jason's question is along the lines of, which one will wear the... Which of the two options is going to put the most wear on the barrel? A heavy projectile running slower, uh, or a light projectile running really fast? Discuss. I think um, without having a, uh, a little bit more sort of specific requirements to that need answering it's one of those things that the throat really is the area that wears out most on a barrel i mean you can shoot some cartridges will burn a barrel out in under a thousand rounds well under a thousand rounds yep and it's really on the first couple of inches of the rifling that that goes now so keeping that in mind i guess using that as a you know basis for what we call a worn out barrel there's there's a lot of factors coming into that not not just the speed of the projectile or the type of the projectile. I mean, there's pressure and heat really are what burn mm-hmm. the, the rifling out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and to a degree, you know, the, the, what the projectile is made out of as well and, you know, the bearing surface on the projectile. So I don't think you could say conclusively either way that, that a, a light fast bullet is going to burn a barrel out quicker than a slow heavy one because often, you know, heavier projectile, as long as it's being run towards the maximum sort of of for that cartridge as far as you know velocity and load pressure goes it's yeah, it's not going as fast but the pressure is still there um you know it takes more yep. you know a bigger bullet's got more inertia so it's, it takes more to get it moving so i think it probably comes down more in my view would be to the powder you've selected i, I know that um some of the powders, you know, like ADI powders, most people would be aware, you know, they're kind of little sticks of powder, they're extruded powders. Yeah, and a lot of, uh, just for our US listeners, a lot of that is Hodgson. Yeah, it's re- rebadged in the US. Yeah. And it's, I mean, anyway, there's a lot of manufacturers that make extruded powders. I mean, the Reloader series of powders, most of them are extruded. Yep. As, as good as they are, as far as temperature stability and that sort of thing, they do, they burn hot and... Uh, I've spoken to a to a friend of mine who was a was a ballistic technician, and he said th- they will wear rifling out quicker than a ball powder. Um, some yeah, of the right. wi- the Winchester powders, for example, are little spheres of, mm. of powder. Um, so again, it it would really depend on what you are loading, not just the the velocity and the and the weight of the projectile. I would say. Yep. So I don't think there's a conclusive, easy to give answer on that one, Rusty. Okay. 
I'd ask Greg to weigh him, but he's actually quite emotionally still distraught about his barrel still choice. Recovering. So he's um, nearly in tears. So um, well, He'll only be able to run light bullets in that barrel anyway. Yeah, too slow I'm, a twist rate. I'm so. not even really sure he's going to be able to run bullets in that barrel. It's probably probably a warm-out. F- 55 grainers, maybe. <laughs> More, yeah, probably. probably. Um, Move on. <laughs> so, um, but to leave Greg out of it then, for perhaps, because he's still recovering. Um, if we were to clarify some details, if we were to run the same type of projectile, but just um, a different weight in it, and we were to be using the same um, effective, um, you know, like sort of max load for each that would produce a similar type of pressure, uh, is that... Yeah, again, I think is it also a- it also comes down to the flame temperature of the powder, and, and this is getting out of my league. Um, yep. It'd be good maybe if we could get somebody from, from ADI, someone with a bit more specific technical knowledge on the powders to, to weigh in on this and maybe on an interview. Yeah. But um, I think, yeah, pressure is not, not the whole part of the equation. It's yep. the temperature as well. Because what you're basically looking at is, is the lands in the barrel mm-hmm. are really, they're, they're quite, delicate really they're not big pieces of metal they're tiny little protrusions and it doesn't take a lot to wear them away now the more heat you've got obviously it's going to burn them away quicker than than a cooler burning powder yep so i'm not uh, when when we start talking flame temperatures i'm i couldn't make any <laughs> sort sure? of knowledgeable statement about that but yeah i know that that has a big part to do with it as well yeah so maybe we should try and get uh, get somebody on well, that'd be good to get someone from ADI onto it. So, uh, Jason, I'm not sure we've actually answered your question, mate, but perhaps there's a little bit more to it than just one or the other. But perhaps it also leads to the fact that it, it, it it's not a major factor. It, it, no, I think just, yeah, the velocity and size of the projectile are not, not the be-all and end-all. Yep. Uh, and I don't think you can say, you know, just as a off-the-cuff statement that one, one is you know, significantly worse than the other, yeah. Yeah, significantly yep. worse than the other. Yeah. You know what is real bad? The wrong twist rate. That's mm, really bad. Really bad. <laughs> Imagine if it was left hand twist rifling, it'd be even worse. Oh I know. We'd have to bring Simon or Dan back. <laughs> oh, very good. So um tonight's um have we covered all the other business? Is that everything we were gonna talk about? Anyone wanna make so. anything up to talk about? I think we've covered most of it. So um, all right, cool. So the the main discussion we were going to have tonight was we, I think we alluded to it the other week uh, briefly, um, but in in your building your new useless rifle, agree? Mm-hmm. Um, you were asking lots of questions about dies, yes. Uh, and I know no longer matters, but um, uh, dies were, were something that we discussed regularly, and we thought we should actually talk about it, perhaps in front of microphones, and and talk about sort of how you came to the conclusion of the dies that you've ended up buying and the other experience that we've all had with dies um, and what we've bought for various cartridges. So yep. perhaps tell us um, in your 6x47 Lapier, what dies have you ended up buying? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> what I've ended up buying is is the S-Type Redding uh, full-length bushing dies. Um, yep. Now, the, the reason why... I should say that I'm I'm not advanced in the world of reloading. Um, I have a fairly up till now fairly basic reloading routine, mm-hmm. like in you know the usual brass prep, trimming, full length size. Um, you know I'm pretty particular with you know obviously the powder load and the overall length. Um, 
but other than that, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing to date with with pretty good results. But with this new rifle, I just sort of wanted to maybe just take a little step further, um, and not really knowing, you know, at, at an advanced level about the next step. I guess I went to uh, ask Andrew about, you know, what what what's a better set of dies that'll give me that, you know, a little bit more control, a little bit more precision, um, and a little bit more consistency, um, just in case I want to reach out a bit further. And um, and Andrew's had some success with, uh, well, I think a lot of success with Reading dies. So that's really how I've got to to where I've bought these dies is is. And I, I did look at a lot of stuff on, um, was it Ac- AccuShooter? Ac- Ac- um, accurate Shooter? Accurate Shooter. Yep. Yeah. Daily, accurate. Daily Bulletin? Yeah, anyway. I had a look on there and there was a Google. lot of a lot of guys were using bushing dies um, with particular uh, bushes and, and were getting really good results. Um, so that's why I lent down that path because there was a lot of people in the U.S., Following that line, yeah, with the Type S are a, are a bushing die. Just yeah. for those listening, I guess it's probably worth just also clarifying a bit what we're talking about when we say bushing dies, because yep. some some guys may not have heard that term. It's mm. basically in the 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 area of the die that sizes the neck of the case on a on a standard die, if you like. It's it's set that dimension is it's cut with a reamer and it's it's fixed. You can't change that that size. It sizes the brass down to a certain size, and that's it. With a bushing die, they utilise a, you know, a bushing that you you take in take the um, the stem of the die out and you replace the bushing from the top, and you can buy like the Reading dies, for example. They're they're available. The bushings are in in one thou increments, so you've got a lot of control over how much neck tension you're creating when you size your brass. Um, you know, through to I mean, if you're using a standard set of dies, if you've got a when you when you size your particular brand of brass, you might have a, a heap of neck tension, and they might really be hard to seat the projectiles, which may shoot well, it may not. Whereas with a neck bushing die, or even with a full length bushing die, but any bushing die that the the neck area is being sized by a bush, you've got that inter, you know, infinite control really. In that, if you're using a, a brand of brass that's thicker in the neck than another brand of brass for the same caliber you can just use a slightly larger bushing size and, and still achieve a, a neck tension that's not too too great. And, I mean, it also gives you that that area of control that you wouldn't otherwise have. You can you can have four or five different bushing sizes, and once you've found a load that shoots well, you, you can play around with, with those different sizes just to, to fine-tune. You might not get a, a noticeable result, or you might get a, a real noticeable one. I've noticed some guns have, have had a real big difference if you've got a... A, you know, a bushing that's a little too tight, just erratic, really, like the, your standard deviations on your velocity go up and that creates obviously increased group sizes, whereas if you then use a slightly larger bushing, bring your neck tension down, obviously still enough to hold the projectile in there, group sizes come right down, your standard deviations come down, so it's it's not for everybody. If you're just loading you know, hunting ammo to shoot pigs at, mm. at 100 metres on the run mm. or, you know, you know, shooting out the window of a car at no more than 200 metres, it's it's no real big deal. But if you're chasing, like, with your, you know, failure of a rifle, you know, if you're chasing that maximum accuracy, it, yeah. it does pay to have that ability to control that aspect of your reloading. Yep. Yeah, very good. I, I sort of feel like with this rifle, Greg, you've really dropped the ball. Okay? So, anyway, well... Um, 
one day you'll recover and by the time you wear this barrel out and trying all this stuff, you'll be an expert for your second barrel, which will be great. Yes. Yeah. And then they'll change it. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. good. Looking forward to the results. Nice. Uh, so, um, uh, so Andrew, talking about neck tension, it really sort of affects. It can affect accuracy and and um, uh, and standard deviation predominantly. Yeah, it said it can. I mean, I've um, some rifles. It, it is dependent on the rifle and the brass you're using in particular as well. Some brass. I mean, I anneal my brass between firing, so that yep. it's in the same state each time but a lot of people don't so you might have a batch of brass that some of them have been fired once or twice and some of them have been fired five or six times there's no way of knowing by looking at it and that brass can behave quite differently Hmm. so that's again not really a a neck tension issue more of a a kneeling issue but um it certainly can some rifles is really finicky yeah um and i've seen bench rest shooters have so little neck tension on the projectiles you can almost push them in by hand yeah right um you know i I certainly wouldn't do that for anything i was going to use in the field but um again it depends on the gun but having the ability to control that to Mm. me is invaluable if you you're trying to load for accuracy absolutely and so greg what um you said you end up with the top s dies did you look at some other stuff so um you look outside of reading but also within the reading line no no just Basically, I was working on recommendations of, yep. of where to take the next step. Um, so I didn't really go off and investigate a whole lot of different dyes. I, d- I basically followed a recommendation. Okay, cool. Mm. So I guess the um, the the type S dye sort of sit above the standard sort of um, or deluxe from from Reading or just the RCBS standard sort of stuff. Um, Andrew, you've had plenty of experience with lots of different dye types. Um, what do you commonly choose, or, or does it depend on what your application is? Yeah, to a degree. Um, I, I do like reading. It's not the only dyes I use. I mean, I've used pretty much all the the major manufacturers, and yep. you know, I think some of them are a little more hit and miss than others. Reading, I haven't, I've never had a bad dye had a from miss, reading. Yeah. Um, it just certain features, like with the the um, Type S dyes and the competition dyes from reading, they they utilise a um, a micrometer seating die which basically gives you mm. you know rather than just putting a screwdriver in the top and go winding it down a bit and going she'll be right they they use a <laughs> you know a, you can control it down to a thou on your seating yeah. depth which is is handy very yeah um you know and and reading are not the only manufacturer that do that others do it um i've used um, rcbs competition dies and, and they're very good as well they do the same yeah yeah but i mean i just i've, I've had good results of reading so i sort of figured why why deviate from that? And unless you need to, I mean, I've used Hornady dies to a fair degree, and they're very good as well. Yeah, okay, that's that's the one I've I've never used. I've used uh, I've got Lee, Dylan, um, and Redding, and RCBS, and Forster as as well, but never used um, yeah, the Hornadys. I've been been really happy with them, and it's predominantly with some of the sort of weird, obscure wildcats that I've played around with. Where they'll, they'll do custom sort of sets, won't they? Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll work from a Rima print or fired brass, so. With some of the more weird stuff I've played with, you just send them a Rima print, and they'll they'll make the dies to that. Yeah, right. And and it's every set I've had from them has been perfect. Um, yeah, n- nice. not an issue with them, and yeah, it's a little time consuming, but anything custom ordered is. But um, mm. yeah, very happy with them as well. So as you said, you alluded to, there's a, a heap of manufacturers on the market. Yeah, no end of it. Once you find one that is good, like with Reading, I predominantly use them because I've 
always had good results with them. Yeah, so again, depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, I wouldn't load pig hunting ammo with competition dies necessarily because it's there's no real need to. You just crank them out with a full length die. But um, if you're trying to chase that maximum accuracy, I really like the the Reading comp dies or the the Type S dies are good for that as well. Yeah, I'm I'm similar. I, I'm my reloading draw has probably got majority of Reading dies, um, and I've I've got the comp dies generally if I'm building a, a sort of a targety type gun um, and then for everything else I've either got the Type S or down to the um, just a standard deluxe probably more so the Type S now um, that I've been buying um, but the RCBS I still run a number of them like for my 22 to 50 and that sort of stuff the RCBS has been fine and um, but I do like the the Type S. One of the reasons I bought Type S for some of my stuff was to be able to run a carbide um, bushing, um, so I didn't have to worry in a neck die about lube at all. Um, yeah, okay. Yep. And that has worked really, really well with some of my uh, some of my guns because it just takes one one step out of that reloading process, and I haven't I haven't had a stuck case on those at all running mm-hmm. carbide. Yeah, as I um, shouldn't do. I mean, you, generally when you get a stuck case, it's not in the neck area they're sticking anyway. It's yeah, around right. sort of closer to the base, but they're just smoother. I reckon the carbide bushes, yeah. it's, when you uh, when you size the case, it, it's nowhere near the effort. And to me, it just feels a little more consistent on that sort of when it's actually being pushed into the, the bush yeah. than if you're using steel. I mean, steel's fine, particularly if you've got clean brass, but um, yeah. yeah. Mm. And they don't wear You're never going to wear a carbide bush out for no. that matter, so... That's true. Have you done anything with the Lee Collet dies at all, Andrew? Very little. Mm-hmm. Um, not enough to make a, a statement about how good they are or whatnot. I, all I can say is with Lee dies, I've heard that some of the most concentric ammo that you can seat has been done with Lee dies. Uh, yeah, seating dies. I've heard that about there, the Lee. Mm, so I, I can't comment about their sizing dies, but. Certainly, the seating dies are obviously doing something right. Mm. Um, yeah, so. But not enough to run them. No. no, well, again, I've never really had the need to. Like, I sort of, I'm of the line of buy once, cry once. I'd rather get yeah. something I know is good than chance it on on a pro, on a product that's cheaper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very good. That's it. And your your dies previously, Greg. You've obviously gone to the Reading Type S now. What do you what were you running previously? I was uh, all RCBS uh, full length dies. Um, yep. And that's all been hunting application with a bit of target. Um, but I've I've got really good results um, in both guns, um, mm-hmm. except the one I'm rebarreling. Hence the reason why I'm rebarreling it. But that that I don't think came down to the reloading kit. That was more about. It's probably a twist rate. Probably twist rate, and uh, there was a, a huge jump to the lands. And anyway, um, it's water under the bridge. But yeah, the, the other two rifles, like, yeah, I got really good results from full length sizing at RCBS, and very happy with those two. Yeah. That's a, another issue we were, we were chatting about before we started tonight on on full length sizing versus neck sizing, and it, yeah. that's one that gets asked a lot. Um, mm. And it it really depends on the application as well. But like I've said to to people, and I generally do it myself as well. Like with my six by forty seven lap, I've got the same dies that you're running, mm. and you you don't have to run the full length die to full length size the case each time. Um, if you if you have your die screwed in all the way so it does size the whole case, mm. then yeah, you you will be sizing the whole whole thing. But um, 
what I found is that you don't have to have it wound all the way down. I, a technique I've used is you, you take a like a black marker, mark the neck of the case, and then have the die screwed maybe two turns out from what you would normally use, mm-hmm. and just and size the case, and you'll be able to see where it's it's sized, and then you can slowly advance the die in until you're not actually even touching the shoulder. You're almost on the shoulder of the case. It's a common thing I've heard is that full-length sizing, it overworks the brass. You know, you're, mm. you're pushing your shoulder back and then you're firing it and then you're pushing it back. So it, it's stretching and then getting sized back and stretching. Yeah, You don't actually have to do that. You can have it so it's not pushing the shoulder at all. Yeah, I've heard of guys doing that technique you're talking about just to bump it like one thou, two thou from, from the fire-formed yeah. Just, brass, you know, just so to you, minimise the amount that the, the brass is being worked. And so you'll get a definite clearance and you're not going to get stuck cases or hard-to-chamber cases in a, in a hunting gun, for example. Yep. And um, Redding, Redding makes shell holders that actually set up for that that will have a thicker um, a thicker part of the, the, the uh, case that will engage the die. Well, basically previously. allows the, the case to either go in further or not as far into the die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they're, they're down to 1,000 increments as well on, on the thickness. Two thousand, I maybe. think, but I'm happy to be wrong on that. But um, mm. yeah, we'll check after we've got a set over there. Um, but I, yeah, any, anyway, we're the one or two thousand. You get some customization, and perhaps that's something for you to consider. Yeah, no, I've, I've got to have a look at all this stuff, and um, yeah, it's 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 another area that I haven't really looked into yet. But we'll, we'll tell tell us and tell the listeners why you went with your full length die rather than your neck sizing. Well, for, for me, I've I've always full length sized. Um, I've I've watched guys that have neck size. Yeah, they get great results, but quite often I've been out in the field with neck sizes, and they've had a lot of issues. You know, a little bit of dust, a little bit of you know, a lot of jamming issues, and then some guys and and look, jump in if this is not right, but. Um, you know, they they shoot off about six or seven. Well, you know, five or six firings and they really need to bump the shoulder back down again anyway so you really need to do that in a full length size because uh, you start to have issues with you know it's hard to to chamber it's, yeah basically it's mm. when you chamber that round it's it's bottoming out on the shoulder and yeah. you're having to really force it to close the bolt and I, I just sort of saw all that sort of circular process and i'm just like no, i think i'll just stick with full length sizing i'd, I'd seen a little bit on um you know, just touching the shoulder, just that one thou, two thou. And I thought, well, you know, that's sort of trying, that's almost a compromise between the two. And so I've sort of stuck with full length sizing and I've, I, I have got the results on previous rifles. So I'd, I've just followed what's worked for me in, in the past. Yeah. And I think um, given that, you know, your rifle that you're about to take, you know, back from getting rebarreled, I think that given that that chamber will be on the minimum size as far as diameter, Mm. And and normally minimum on the headspace as well. Yeah, it's which makes it not as critical. Um, pretty maximum on the twist rate as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> just just rubbing it in. Yeah, yeah. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> I, have you worked it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But I mean, I, on, on I, s- I hate to bring it up again. Sorry, Greg. Not just yeah. You know, it just comes to mind sometimes. Just got to mention it. I think. Um, I think we're. We're sort of falling sizing and neck sizing as, you know, particularly if you're not using a neck bushing or, or a bushing die mm-hmm. comes into it is, is uh, factory rifles. Some of them, I mean, from what I understand, teakers, I haven't worked on them a lot, as as accurate as they are, they use good barrels and good triggers and so on and so on. They 
they're normally on the longer side on the chamber. So if you were to full length size every time and push the shoulder back to minimum every time, guys are getting um, case separations in a fairly short amount yep. of time yep. um, in that it, the brass is just being worked big mm. time. It's being mm. pushed forward under firing and then you're pushing it back when you size it and that can create obviously brass wears and I've seen a number of, of separations and cracks through the sort of maybe 10 mil up from the base of the case in, the, yep. in that yep. web there. Yep. Um, so on a case like that, if you've got the ability to, again, you don't need a neck sizing die to do it. You can do it with a full length die and you just, like I said before, you don't have it wound in all the way to push the shoulder right back would alleviate that problem and, and give you a lot longer brass life. Yep. But again, it's it, people can unaware sort of the versatility of their dies and how you set them up. It, you know, people just, they do the standard procedure, they screw it in until it touches the shell holder, lock it up and away they go. It's You can do a lot more with them than that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that because it's relatively yeah. a safe way to use them, but there certainly is a, some more advanced options to be able to use. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And like if you were just loading throwaway brass for you know, you know chasing pigs or goats or whatever and you, you really didn't care if you lost it yep i would say falling size for for reliability really through a gun if you get a bit of crap in the a chamber you, it's not going to be so much of a big deal so hmm. and and just a question on versatility of dies andrew so if someone was let's say they had 250 dies I'm asking for a friend of mine, and no, if um, someone had 250 dies and wanting to neck size 223, you could utilize that, that die to do so? Technically, I guess you could, um, as long as it physically the case wasn't so short that it wouldn't make it up in there. Yep. It's not supported by anything at all. So yep. I imagine if you were to do that, you'd get some pretty interesting concentricity yep. issues. Yep. Um, I guess technically it is possible as long as the case neck can reach up into that area of the die. Yeah. Um, and you and you set the die height right, so you're not sort of pushing the shoulder or anything like that. It's doable. It's doable, but it's perhaps not quite so simple. I was, yeah. I've, I mean, I've certainly had the question asked me many times, and people were obviously attempting to save some money by only using one die. Well, that's that's the thing. I, I would say you are saving yourself a lot of potential hassle just by. I mean, Lee dies. You can buy them cheaply. Yeah, just by right. by setting the correct caliber. Yeah, um, would Everyone be with it. Yeah, because I mean, I think once you start delving into the those kind of issues, a very experienced loader, hand loader, could yeah could make it, it work for sure. But still, it's mm-hmm. not ideal. But could make it work. Yep. Generally, for the sort of guys that want to save fifty or sixty bucks on dies. Mm-hmm. They're probably not the guys that are going to have the real experience to make that work. So, yeah, yeah, I, fair I'd, enough. I'd advise against it, but yeah, oh, in- interesting question to ask. Very good, Greg. And um, so you've you've got you've got these dice here, or they're coming? No, they they've landed, but yeah. they're, they're just not they're just on their way. Not in my letterbox yet. Yeah, no, very good. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you go with them. Have you got the bushes for them? Uh, not yet, but. Um, Jerome, uh, the gunsmith, has got a set oh, we'll for me. And, yeah, and he said he's got a, a little range he's going to uh, sell me just to get me started. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I should be good to go once I pick up the rifle. Yeah, yep. nice, mate. Mm. Nice. And so we look forward to hearing some range reports of that thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sort of in debate at the moment on how to do my load development because uh, uh, Jared from Victorian Practical um, – 
Rifle. Yeah, rifle. Well, they've changed their name, actually, recently. Yeah. But anyway, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. got me then. But um, he suggested a, a, um, a load development method I haven't used before, which is optimal charge weight. Um, right. we, we might have to hold on to that because uh, we, we probably could – well, we could easily do it – a you know month's worth of episodes on a, on load development, but perhaps we'll hold that thought, Greg, because perhaps no next uh, next time we're around, mm. we'll look at load development options and ways of doing yep. things. Yep, um, which would be good. Speaking of Jared, if I can segue from there, mm-hmm. um, for those of you guys in SA, um, we're going to organise a trip or through Southern Shooters and sort of put through this podcast, we're going to organise a trip over to the Vic Practical Rifle or, or the Victorian Precision Service Rifle or something, whatever they're called now. Um, either way, we're going to organise a trip at the end of August over there. So if you're listening and you're in SA and you want to get over to Vic for this, uh, the competition they're running, get in touch with us through here or um, hit me up on Southern Shooters and we'll... Um, get your name on the list to be able to get you over to Victoria and uh, do a bit of a weekend away, uh, which will be, one, good fun, um, but two, also a good chance to meet a bunch of other shooters and also um, see Greg's rifle fail miserably and put bullets through sideways, basically, (laughs) um, which I think is going to happen. No way. (laughs) Okay. So that's the... uh, And even if you're not in SA, it's it's a good competition to get to, um, which is the 29th... I think of August. Let me turn around. 28th of August. I'm glad I confirmed that. So um, we're actually going to get Jared on in the next couple of weeks to have a bit of a chat about the comp coming up so he can, he can get those dates right for me and get the name of the name of yeah, the. Oh, well, you got it there? Yeah, I got it there. Uh, Jared's from uh, the match director for Victorian Practical Rifle and the series he's running is Precision Service Rifle Series. Right. Yeah. Cool. That. So just, I guess, to clarify, Rusty... Um, You'd be looking at taking a, like a, a bus of of, yeah. of competitors over. So if we get be, enough people, we're going to do yeah. a, we're going to do a, a bus of competitors over to Vic uh, just for an overnighter. But if someone else is driving the bus, it makes it easier. You can sleep on the bus or whatever. It yeah, is. so I mean, it takes that aspect of the transport out for guys. So yeah. that should be a good weekend. Make Richie drive. That'll be good. Um, and Jared is also talking about coming over to SA a couple of weeks before to do a bit of a training session. So be able to sort of school us up on some of the, the things that they do a bit different over there, um, which would be wonderful. So that will be sort of open to anyone interested. So if you if that's up your alley, let us know. Guys, uh, if that's it, thanks very much for coming in and having a chat. And um, good luck with your rubbish rifle, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully I'll pick it up before the next podcast and uh, have some results, hopefully. There'll be an as-new uh, Bartland barrel up for sale shortly. Oh, yeah, no way. That's, that's right. No way. And so um, um, we will talk about load development next time around. That'll be good. So make, And make sure you get your questions in on Facebook or on email or however you can get them to us. And uh, we look forward to giving away uh, a load right kit from Precision Rifle Products next time around. Awesome. No worries. Enjoy. Everyone get out and have a shoot, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by 
STS Steel Targets, premium shooting targets and accessories.